Fitness is your ability to cope with and recover from stress. And the best way to level up both your mental and your physical fitness is by making small but powerful changes to your daily habits and routines. With this podcast, I aim to bring you a combination of short educational solo casts and slightly longer conversations I've had with a wide variety of fascinating people. The goal? To help you develop a lifestyle which supports your mental and physical fitness and improves your overall quality of life. My name is Jay Unwin. Welcome to FitBody FitMind. Welcome back to Fit Body, Fit Mind, and today I have with me author, naturopathic physician, and meathead philosopher, Dr. Jade Teta. How are you doing, Jade? <laughs> Jay, what's going on, man? It's great to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, for joining me and having this conversation. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. Yeah, same, man. I really appreciate you having me on. It's going to be fun. It is, it is. So um, first off, I'm going to give you a nice, uh, <laughs> nice open-ended question so that the people listening can get to know you uh, if they don't already. And that is, what is your take on fitness? What's your philosophy around fitness and how does that fit into your own life? Well, you know, when I was younger, I used to be that, <laughs> that stereotypical meathead, arrogant dude who was like, there's only one way to do fitness, lift big things, and that's the way it goes. But now I am, you know, really uh, agnostic when it comes to fitness. I love all modalities and I really come from this place in nutrition and in fitness where it's like literally find and do what works for you. What you love, what you will keep doing consistently is the first approach. Now, of course, there are things in the research that are going to be better for certain goal sets. But to me, I look at those things like, hey, in terms of health and fitness, do what you love. And then based on your fitness goals, there are certain things that um, are better, for example, for fat loss or building muscle and things like that. But I, I really feel like most people need to first just get consistent with something they love and then put in the things for a period of time to get the results they want. And that's kind of how I look at it. So I don't get too attached to any particular modality. I think that's a really important thing and it's it's something which seems to be, I don't know whether it's the people I attract on to have conversations with me, but it seems to be a real common theme with the people that I chat to is the advice that they're giving is so much about that the, the enjoyment is a, is a massive factor in it and it's probably... I mean, in my experience in coaching, it's one of the most overlooked aspects when I talk to anyone who's trying to make changes, they forget to pick something that they actually like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's we we have this very weird thing, right, where we are always trying to outsource the answers to things, outsourcing yep. the answer to nutrition, outsourcing the answer to fitness, outsourcing what I should do for a living, outsourcing how I should run a business, right? All these things is what our, our human brain tends to want to say, hey, Jay has the answer or Jade has the answer. When in reality, I think what we need to do is say, what is it that I will be able to do this year, next year and five years from now? What do I really love? That has to be the starting point because you're not going to do these things if you don't enjoy it. And then as you learn, and as you expose yourself and dabble different things, your loves change. We know that passions can evolve a little bit and that's great. So I think you definitely want to expose yourself to some of the other things out there. And of course, if you have specific defined goals, um, you can begin to incorporate those things that excel at that. But I really feel like this is key, not just with fitness, but also with the way we eat 
and the way we live our lives in terms of relationships and purpose and meaning and success and career. We need to realize that it's about creating a lifestyle we can live with and love over the long term, for sure. Do you think that, I mean, you're drawing parallels there between you know, fitness and people's fitness goals and stuff like that and other areas of their life. is Have you found um, through the course of your career and through the course of your own fitness journey and stuff that fitness lends itself to being quite a good analogy for other areas of life? Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, to me, I really think the, the best metaphor for life is sport and fitness in the gym. And, and I'll, I'll kind of walk you through this. At least I played American football coming up. So um, this this is a sport. It's a team sport, but I also wrestled, right, which is a one on one sport. So I've kind of had both of those uh, sort of um, backgrounds. And what I've really learned when I was young is that I could practice. I could do all the work. I could be the most disciplined. I can do everything right and still get my ass beat on the football field or in the wrestling circle. This to me is the perfect analogy for life and whether you succeed or not at these sports and whether you succeed or not in your fitness and nutrition endeavors really is your ability to say okay i just got beat there let me learn a lesson pick myself up and see if i can do it again and this to me is how we as humans evolve so to me the gym is the perfect way to create that again and again you know we have this thing in fitness right the pr the personal record yeah. Right. It's like if I can if I can deadlift 500 pounds then my PR, I need to keep pushing that PR for 505 or 510 pounds. That same thing, I think, translates over into the way we approach business, the way we approach our career, the way we expose ourselves to new um, information and new ideas and new insights and even new people. We need to constantly be pushing PRs in life the same way we do in the gym, in a sense. And I think people forget that this is the way that it works. I mean, in a sense, there's only two things really that are guaranteed in this life. And that is that things are going to change and you are going to die. And the gym really, in my mind, is uh, you know something that illustrates that to you over and over and over again. So yeah, I love the idea of sports and fitness as a metaphor um, for life. And I do think that's why we do want to expose ourselves, specifically with fitness, it's always a great idea to expose yourself to workouts and modalities that you have not done. I oftentimes say to my friends, look, if you want to get your ass beat, do someone else's workout. If you want to be comfortable, keep doing your own. So of course, you're going to do your own 80% of the time. But I do think there's value in um, you know, trying some yoga if you're a big rhino meathead like me, uh, or doing some Tai Chi, or you know, just getting out and playing tennis or whatever it is in the fitness realm, just as there is in reading new books, exposing yourself to different ideas through people, etc. So I, I can't um, you know, think of anything else that is a more important message in life than that message. And I do think the gym gets you prepared for it. One, one of the things that I love about um, training and like you said, about sport and things like that um, and fitness as a whole, is the idea of um, the idea of failure, and failure is something that we've been kind of conditioned to become afraid of throughout our schooling and throughout our upbringing and stuff in in various different ways through figures of authority and various positions in our life, and um, it seems to be that people they don't like failing because it makes them it gives their ego a bit of a dent, uh, and 
in when you when you start do following some kind of fitness discipline it doesn't matter what it is whether you're a runner whether you're a weightlifter whether you're uh, like playing a particular sport whether you're doing yoga like you mentioned what whatever it is um the the point that you the, the the whole point of doing it and the thing that you're kind of striving for in a lot of ways is that failure and i mean it's it's something which obviously comes up in things like bodybuilding quite a lot because it's that that training to the point where you can't do any more um and but but it is in it is in all of these different kind of disciplines like you said and i think that that can be transferred across um in a way where you almost become reconditioned to failure as being a, a, a positive thing that you can seek? I, I think that's absolutely right. Although I think we have to do it. I think we have to do it the correct way. And I'm a big, I'm all about distinctions as a human. So I like to take ideas and say, let's really define what this means here. Yeah. Here's something to try on and see what you think. And we'll see what the listeners think. We, we've all heard this saying of rise to the occasion, right? Yeah. I don't like that and I like to make a distinction. And the reason I don't like that is because if you rise to the occasion, if you try to rise to the occasion, to me, this essentially says that something has happened you were not prepared for and oftentimes you are going to fail. If you have not trained for something, you are going to fail in that sense. And when you fail that messy and um, that unexpectedly, it oftentimes turns that failure turns into now a fear post-traumatic stress of not being able to do this thing. So to me, I go, rising to the occasion is a, is a really slippery slope because it's basically waiting for something to happen and seeing if you can handle it. Well, the truth is, if you don't train for it, chances are you're not going to be able to handle it and you will fail very miserably, usually in that case. So what I like to say is you don't rise to the occasion, you create the occasion. So this is very different because here is controlled failure. You put your toe in the water, you then put your ankle in the water, then you're knee deep in the water and you are, as you're doing this, you're learning how cold is the water? How long can I leave this in there? What's going to happen to me? How do I need to adjust and change? And you start to be able to rise to the level of your training. This again is a metaphor of what happens in the gym and i do think that this is one of the reasons why failure has gotten a bad name because people just throw themselves into situations they have no business being in and of course only the very lucky ones are going to get out of that and they're not going to really understand the lesson that came out of that failure because they don't even understand what they got themselves into in the first place and so from my perspective if you create this prs in life let's say um, fear PRs, let's say. And an example of this that I oftentimes give is, let's say you're, you know, as an example, you're someone who does not like to be alone. You tend to be very enmeshed and, you know, like codependent relationships. You don't then put yourself in a place where you're two months alone in some foreign country. You're, you're obviously going to fail in that regard and have to, you know, be pretty miserable along the way. But what if instead, Step one in your sort of quote fear PR was I'm going to go out to a movie by myself. Of course, you're a little stressed out at first, but then the movie distracts you. And then fear level PR number two would be go out to dinner alone. Then level three would be go out to dinner alone without your phone. Then level four, maybe a weekend away at a, you know, a, a town that's close to your town in a hotel. And, and then maybe you get to the point where PR level 10, you're in 
Paris, you don't speak France and you, French and you stay there for two months. This is the way that I think most people who are successful create the occasion. They plan to get better and better. It's very much learning uh, a language or a instrument or something like that. If you want to become a great piano player, you obviously don't try to start playing Beethoven. You wouldn't even understand it. You start with chopsticks. You start with scales. You slowly move up. Next, next minute you're playing Mary Had a Little Lamb and slowly but surely you are creating the occasion to get better and better. This is how, and you're going to fail all along the way, but it's little bits of failure that you can actually understand, course correct, and make a difference. And I do think that distinction matters. So I like to say, try not to rise to the occasion. Instead, create the occasion. Yeah. This, to me, is a much better way of handling this. Yeah, without a doubt. The, um, it, it, there's a, a huge scale, a huge spectrum of, of failure. And it's, it's like... Um, again to kind of to, to draw those analogies you're using with music there and the fact that you would start with something simple if you were learning the piano or learning any instrument you'd start with something simple you'd start with something that is outside your your ability but only just and I think this is a huge uh, mistake I mean when when a lot of we're coming up to the end of the year right it's been a crazy year a lot of people are spending their time kind of looking towards 2021 and they're th thinking about um how, how 2021 is going to be different and you know it happens every year and people make these new year's resolutions and people decide that they're gonna this is this is going to be the year this is going to be the year and they try and change everything all at once and suddenly they're getting up at five o'clock in the morning to try and run five miles um they've given up all alcohol all carbohydrates all fun and joy in their life and they um they wonder why they fail so catastrophically and uh, I, I believe that it is just exactly like you've said if you if you keep the um i guess i always talk about motivation cost um, but also i guess failure cost in this sense you keep the failure cost low so that you're not en you're not ending up in this huge amount of failure debt from mm -hmm. from one big occurrence yeah i agree i think you want to fail uh you know quickly and a lot but you yeah. want those failures to be um, little failures that you can actually learn from. Because what you said was really important. You're just beyond your ability, which means you can actually get the lesson. If you skip ahead to a huge failure, you don't even understand all the stuff. And I have, of course, done this in my life. And oh, yeah. it's not that people can't recover from it. And it's not that, you, you know, um, you can't get lessons from it. It's just much harder in my mind um, to do. So from my perspective, this is the way that we should be, you know, essentially building this this out in business, in, uh, you know, in life. And here and here's here's you alluded to, in my mind, a conversation about willpower. Here's another distinction. Right. What ends up happening is with people who try to change things all at once. What they don't understand is the way the brain works. The reason it has habits in the first place is because it needs shortcuts. Whenever you get stressed, the brain does not do well with cognitive function. So what it does whenever you get stressed out is it goes back to its shortcuts and its habits. Well, these habits are also built very slowly over time, right? And so in a sense, to build a habit, you also want to take little steps towards failure. So the brain learns, learns, learns. By the time you're 10 PRs deep, the brain now is starting to have a new habit. This is the difference. So it's kind of like the military says, you know, you train for the occasion. They practice this stuff over and over and over again. So it's actually not willpower that you want. It's more like skill power. And that skill power is built through these small 
little incremental changes that you can maintain. So for example, talking about cutting out all carbohydrates, it would essentially be something like, let me just have protein and fat, let's say, in the morning for breakfast. I'm just gonna start right there. And then I'm going to allow myself to have carbohydrates, let's say, you know, um, lunch and dinner. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with carbohydrates. It works for some, it doesn't work for others, but I'm just using it as an example here. And then slowly but surely you can say, all right, well, I'm doing well with that. Let me now go to the next meal. And, you know, let me, let me sort of um, slowly but surely learn what it's like with, for my body not to have this level of carbohydrates in the morning. And what will happen is that's much easier to do than saying, I'm not having carbohydrates at any meals ever again. That is, that is absolutely asinine in terms of the way the brain works, right? It's simply not gonna work that way. So I love what you're saying there because that is exactly how I would do that if someone came to me or we decided, hey, this is a diabetic who's never cut out carbohydrates. Let's begin to um, make these changes slowly in a way that they can do it. And this is the way I think we have to be thinking about everything, including in business. When I try and help people to make some changes in terms of their lifestyle and things like that, the, the approach that I tend to take, very similar to what you were just discussing there, is that there's like a kind of, a, there's like three stepping stones. And the final stepping stone, or, or essentially the, the, the opposite bank of the river that we're trying to get to, is that habitual automated behavior whereby it is relatively, like you said, it's that, auto, it's that, um, I'm just trying to think of the wording that you use now, but when you were talking about those kind of shortcuts, that was it, the shortcuts that the brain has. Um, that's where you want to get to because it's working It's working away in the background anyway. So whether it's, whether it's for us or against us, those habits are forming. So we might as well use that to our advantage. And the stepping stones prior to that, the first one is motivation. The second one is, is um, discipline or resolve. Uh, I know resolve is a word that you use in, in your book, which we'll, which we'll come on to as well, actually, because that book is fast becoming one of my favorites. Um, but the, the motivation, which is what people tend to rely on long term, is so short-lived because essentially motivation which is is talked about a lot you know you've got motivational speakers motivational videos and you've got all of this stuff right and motivation is just the feeling of wanting to do something right and you're not going to always want to do something some days no matter how much you want the end goal you're not going to want to do the process and so when you rely on motivation that's why those things those diets those workout programs they they fall by the wayside especially if they've got a very high motivation cost, like getting up at five in the morning when you've never done that before and going for a run when you don't like running, huge motivation cost. And on those days when your motivation dips below that particular level, you're not gonna do it. And then once you've once you've kind of, I mean, you need a, a little bit of motivation to make the start because obviously otherwise you wouldn't even start because you have to have the desire for something. But then the discipline, the resolve kind of it takes you a little bit further and keeps you a bit more consistent, which allows you to build the habit into a into a automatic process. Because in my experience from my own journey and also from, from the clients that I've worked with over the years, people sometimes, they rarely rely on uh, anything past motivation but when they do they settle on discipline or resolve but they haven't set these routines up in a way which allows them to become automatic because they're too inconsistent right it, they might be working out at a different time each day or they might be eating uh, like in a way which um, 
which doesn't lend itself to this kind of automated behavior because it's not simple enough and it's too chopping and changing. Whereas if we set things up right, we can we can essentially use that automatic pattern that our brain is already using, that program it's running to lay down these kind of these habits and these routines uh, that we already have. If we set our habits up in the right way, we can use that and build on that foundation. Yeah, and you know, the way, whenever I hear someone talking about motivation, to me, it's it's a misunderstanding. What what ends up happening is, is we tend to, as humans, we go, I want this feeling state. I want, and, and we think that feelings are an end in and of themselves. They're not. Feelings are more like a road sign. They're direction. They don't last. They're not something you want to put a whole lot of stock into where it's like, I want to feel happy or I want to feel motivated. These things are transitory states. So I like the way that you're sort of saying that because to me, motivation is a feeling that you can't necessarily own. It's just giving you some direction. However, when you have, and, and by the way, to me, motivation comes from passion, Maybe it comes from meaning, right? Where you're just kind of like, I'm interested in, you know, when I was young, a lot of people do this for vanity reasons, right? If they are looking for a romantic partner, they can be very motivated for a time until they achieve that. The problem with that is, is that's outsourced meaning. What you really want in order to have motivation stay around much longer is you want a very deep seated purpose, a reason for why you are doing what you're doing, which which is what resolve really is all about. Discipline to resolve resolve. You can't have resolve unless you know what you are resolved towards. Who am I trying to be? What is the end sort of way of being, not the end sort of way of feeling? So motivation is in my mind, a mistake because it's trying to stick with just a feeling that cannot last. However, purpose is something that lasts. Purpose is something you bring to the world. Motivation is something that the world kind of brings to you. And let me explain, because I know this may be a, a little confusing for people, but the reason motivation is so fleeting is because it requires the perfect sort of uh, environment in a sense. If the weather is right, if it's beautiful outside, if you have you know, uh, you know, a short-term thing that's important to you, all these elements come together, you can actually feel motivated. However, if you have purpose, a way of, that you want to be in the world, this is something that flows from you to the outside world. So it doesn't matter if it's raining, it doesn't matter if you've just lost somebody, it doesn't matter if you're alone or if you're with people, what matters is this is who I am in the world. This purpose is what begins to drive me. And people don't quite understand that. Usually when I am talking to someone, I'm like, why is it that you're wanting to do what you're wanting to do in the first place? And oftentimes it does revolve around, well, I want this thing or that thing, or I want popularity or I want power or I'm chasing pleasure. And those really are sort of, in my mind, the four goals. And I would ask everyone listening to this where you fall on this spectrum, because we have four drives in my mind. We have the drive for power, the drive for pleasure, the drive for popularity and the drive for purpose. Motivation really is only good if you're chasing power, popularity or pleasure. And pop, power, popularity, and pleasure are outsourced things. You need the world to be a particular way to have those. Purpose is the one of those four that actually is self 
generating. It's the thing that gives you the battery charge always when you tap into it. And so from my perspective, motivation is the exact wrong thing to do. It's kind of like being in a traffic circle and just going around and around and around and not even realizing why you're there trying to generate the same feeling. It just doesn't work. I think this is vital for this, particularly this time of year, because I know that there's going to be a bunch of people listening and um, and thinking about making some changes in the new year and understanding that relying on motivation isn't going to be what gets them like you know a few months into the year at least because as we all know a lot of people's new year's resolutions fall by the wayside very quickly so i think this is absolutely vital i mean this is going out this it'll be the 22nd of december when this episode goes out it's the 8th of december now when we're recording it and interestingly i mentioned your book earlier on um human 365 which is a, a fantastic book um which i will i'll put a link to in the description of the uh of the podcast as well so anyone listening can go and check it out but i, I got this book um a, a short while ago only a very short while ago and it was it was interesting hearing you talking about you know pleasure and um power and purpose and stuff then because this morning 8th of december was about exactly that it was um it was the victor frankel with the you know finding purpose and all of those bits and pieces and it just it resonated a little bit because i knew i'd read it earlier today mm, yeah i yeah i i haven't looked at it. it's funny that it that, that it came up but it's such an important distinction for us humans to kind of look at because we go, what, what is my real drive, right? And, and it's not that those things are bad, by the way. Let's not make it like, you know, we're all human here. We know I chase power and popularity and pleasure too. I'm yep. sure you do as well, Jay, Absolutely. we all do. Yep. The point is though, when power and pleasure and popularity are the only things you're chasing and you forgot why you're here to begin with. That's the thing that I think that we humans, um, you know, we're, we're dealing with the COVID pandemic right now. To me, I think the real pandemic is a pandemic of purpose. Each one of us, myself, Jay, you, all, all, everyone listening, I think what we forget as humans is that we forget that we have, as human beings, each of us as individuals, are incredibly unique. We're like a spiritual fingerprint. There's no one else like Jay on the planet. There's no one else like Jade from our experiences to, to all the things that shape us, which gives us a unique voice, which gives us a unique frequency, which, which makes us a unique experience in the world for people. And this is what we have to understand. There are messages. Jay and I could be teaching the exact same thing, but some people are just going to want to hear it from Jay. They're going to have ears tuned to Jay. They're not going to want to hear it from Jade. They're going to want to hear it from Jay. Same thing for all of you listening. Now, once you tap into that, you essentially go, what is the experience that I want to bring into the world? Then you can go, how does me being fit and healthy aid that experience? How does me having money aid that experience? How does me being popular aid that experience? How does me chasing power aid that experience? Because when you have pleasure and power and popularity, along with a deeply defined purpose, the sky becomes the limit for you as a human being. Once you begin to tie in these other things to that purpose, all of a sudden you don't have to get motivated anymore to go to the gym. It's the fact that I am a particular experience in the world and me being fit and healthy helps me deliver that experience to the humans around me. And that is the thing when you as a human being, look in the mirror. There's one thing that I say is more important for any human to be proud of yourself as an individual, 
right? So that's what happens when you get very clear on how you are being in the world, not how you are feeling in the world. And there is a distinction there. So I hope everyone's following me here because so far during this conversation, I think this is the most critical element to making changes in the way that you really want to as a human that last. You have to decide who am I in the world and you have to create that based on your unique frequency. And once you do that, all of a sudden, you still have all the suffering and hurts and pains that being a human comes with. We're not, none of us are escaping that. But now you start to see those things as a path to purpose, a source of deep meaning for you because you can use all of that to give something to the world that no one else can. I really believe that is actually what we humans are here to do. I skipped forward a, through a few pages in the, in the book um, as well to see what the entry was for today, uh, for, as in the date that this podcast is going out as well, the 22nd of December. And um, just for, again, anyone listening who hasn't, who doesn't know the book, Human365 has got uh, a daily meditation, if you like, a daily entry um, to kind of read and ponder on. And that's how the book's set up. So I skipped forward to December the 22nd earlier on. And it was the story about um, the three female fitness competitors in the car journey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that just seems to be yet again a, a prime example of kind of what you're talking about in terms of their goals being that they, they, had, they hadn't been thought through to um, a great level of depth at that point for them yeah. um, in terms of, you know, wanting to be famous and wanting to be um, beautiful and all of these things. Like Again, like you said, they're completely normal normal goals to have. But I remember like when I read through this earlier on, it was, it was very apparent how kind of surprised you were at the time. Could you kind of explain that a little bit more for the guys who haven't read that story? Yeah, so th this, is a, this is a funny story. My wife at the time was involved in a figure competition and we, I had went down to you know, a, a, another town and we're driving back with three other you know, figure competitors in the car. And to pass the time, because we're driving late, I'm asking questions and questions. And I say, you know, if you could be anything in the world, what would you be? And, you know, so everyone is kind of like one of these would you rather questions or, you know, everyone goes around and says. And so the first figure competitor goes, I want to be a hot, famous model. I'm like, OK. And then the next one goes, I want to be a hot actress, famous, hot actress. And I'm like, OK. And the next one goes, I want to be a hot, you know, um, famous, best figure competitor in the United States. And it struck me because I was just like. Isn't this interesting? Not one of them said anything that would be of use to society, really. Right. It was this popularity and power and, you know, hot fame is basically what they want. I want to be yeah. good looking and I want to be famous. And it dawned on me, too, that even if they got that, being good looking doesn't last and being famous doesn't last. You're completely outsourcing your happiness, your fulfillment to something else. And it just made me uh, in that moment go, this is part of the problem. Not that there was anything wrong with these three. They're incredibly lovely women. I'm still friends with many of them. But the, the fact is I, I was struck by how I bet you if Jay, you and me asked and all of us listening, we all go home for the holidays and we ask our family um, these questions. How many people, it may not be as overt as this, you know, hot and famous, but how many people will give variations of wanting power, pleasure or popularity, right? I want money. I want this. I want that. And how many people go, you know what? I just want 
to make people feel that they are capable of achieving anything. I want to help people find purpose in their life. I want to bring meaning to people. I want to make people smile. I want to, I want to cook for people. I want, I, want, I want them to taste great cuisine. You know, like this is when you start with people like this. This is how you start getting into a deep purpose. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at this, those people who answer like that, when they say something like, you know what, if some, even if something as silly as I just want people to just appreciate and love hot sauce. Right. Like I just want to bring hot sauce to the masses. It's just I love it. I want people to experience it when you meet someone like that, even if they're talking about something as trivial as hot sauce. But when hot sauce becomes their purpose, you are you love those people. All of a sudden you want hot sauce. You want to like tell me about it. Right. And And passion like that that comes from a deep purpose makes everyone sort of fall in in love. It's also it's funny. I used to talk with um you know, a lot of my wife, my ex-wife's friends and me and my ex-wife are still really close and we both date now. So we are always talking about dating. And when we talk about just attractiveness, I said, what is it about, you know, men, these men that you date that you find most attractive? You know, is it money? Is it looks? And she goes, Jade, it comes down to someone who loves what they do. She goes, that's what it is. It's not that they're on stage playing music. It's that they love it. They're chasing a dream. And when they lose that, it becomes less attractive. And I would argue that we humans love ourselves more when we have that deep sense of purpose. Do you think that's why we're attracted to be around people like that? Not just in a romantic scenario, but in a friendship scenario and in a, like, you know, just meeting people. If you're out at a party, do you remember parties when we were allowed to see people in person? <laughs> Sounds yep, weird do. now, doesn't it? Vaguely. <laughs> but like, if, you, if you're at a party or you're a gathering or you're chatting to people, you meet someone new, um, the, the people with the most magnetic kind of personalities, the people who you want to be around are the people who are um, passionate about whatever it is that they do. They're they're kind of, they're really into it. Um, Mm. You know, hearing you talk about passion and purpose with with that level of kind of enthusiasm made Mm. me want some hot sauce right now. And the, um, (laughs) but, but this is the thing, right? I think that the reason we're attracted to being around those people is because we, we want some of that. And I think people forget that that is accessible to all of us. It's it's something that we can go, again, you're talking about outsourcing it. I mean, that's a form of outsourcing, I guess, is seeing it in other people and trying to absorb a bit of that enthusiasm from them rather than learning how to cultivate it within ourselves. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think what happens is we see them and we remind ourselves that I'm capable of that. And then the oh, mistake yeah. we make, though, is we go, you know, it's like, we, we do this. We're like, oh my God, I met this guy so in the hot sauce. Maybe I'll go into hot sauce. That's actually where we make the mistake, right? What, where, that's where we oftentimes make the mistake. We go, we think that we're supposed to find this. And so we run into people and we're like, oh, maybe I found it. Maybe they just introduced me to it. These people, you don't find purpose. You create it. You decide and you choose. And you can do that at any moment. I'll actually tell you one of the most profound um, stories. And I've told this, this story many times, but it's one of the most profound stories of purpose that I have been involved with. I'm at a Whole Foods and it's middle of the day, holiday time, actually around this time in Santa Monica. And one or two people must not have showed up for work. So there's two lines in this Whole Foods and it is packed. Okay. I'm the third in line. There's an old woman who's at the checkout counter. There's a guy behind her. Then there's me. And then there's like five people behind. Now, the, the elderly woman is, uh, has dementia, is dealing with dementia. So every time the young 
guy, cash, cashier scans an item, she gets confused. She goes, what is that? Like, I, what, what, what is that? That's not mine. I, I didn't get that. And he's like, well, it's an orange, ma'am. You know, like, and he's showing her and she's confused and telling him she wants this and she doesn't want that. And just it's going on and on. And so all of us in this line are now in this line for two, three minutes going on five minutes, which is an agonizing amount of time to be standing in a line. I mean, it's like eternity. Well, here's what happened. Everyone starts to get annoyed. The guy behind the woman who's in front of me is like cursing under his breath. The people behind him are getting shifty. People are agitated. And actually now anger starts coming out. The guy turns around to me and goes, what the hell? Can you believe this? Meanwhile, I've begun to watch the cashier and the way he is patient and kind and even begins joking with her and goes, oh, my God, look at these beautiful onions. What do you think about these? I used to love onions and he's joking and he's playing with her. She's laughing a little bit. And all of a sudden, the energy of him just being himself changes my energy, changes the guy's energy, changes everyone's energy in the line. Next thing we know, we're laughing. We're having a good time. We're cheering on this lady. We're you know, we're all just in this in the spirit. This guy did that. So when I get up to the cashier, I go, he goes, so, so sorry for the, the wait, man. I said, dude, that's the most amazing thing I have ever seen. Thank you. And he looked a little confused, but he just goes, oh, man, that's really sweet of you to say. He goes, I was just imagining like it's just what I do. And what if it was my grandma? Here's the thing. He, through his unique makeup, the people he was exposed to, his humor, his background in something like being a cashier changed all of us in that moment. And now I'm on a call talking about it with Jay. And now <laughs> you all are hearing it. And the ripples from this guy who I don't even know his name gives me goosebumps to think about. Right. Because that's what purpose does. And all he had to do is choose the experience that he wanted to bring in that moment. See, people think purpose is something that you have to do for a living. Most people's job only finances their purpose. Yeah. So purpose is when you wake up in the morning and you go, what, am, what experience am I uniquely qualified to bring to the world in a positive way? The humble recognition that I have something magical to bring to the world, to make people enhanced in some positive way. When you enter into the world in that way, it does not necessarily matter even what job you're doing at that time. I guarantee you, you are going to have an elevated experience and everyone around you is going to benefit from that. And ironically, here's the other thing to understand. Ironically, our pain as humans that we're always trying to get other people to soothe. Here's the most ironic thing about being human. You soothe your pain by finding that pain in others and soothing it in them. And then ironically, it comes back around and soothes you as well. And we forget that, but this is what purpose is and it can be created and chosen any moment. This is what we have to understand. It reminds me of uh, years back when I read The Leader Who Had No Title by Robin Sharma and it, how that concept of leadership, it, it's, it's, not a, it's not a position of authority or a position of power. It's how you show up in doing the things that you do on a daily basis. And it also makes me think about that, um, that phrase, leave everything better than how you found it. And that idea doesn't have to be limited only to a physical place a lot of people think um, you know leaving somewhere better than you found it is down to tidying up a little bit or picking up a bit of bit of litter that's been dropped and just improving the surroundings a little bit but it extends to people as well 
It does. And I love I love that because what you just said, that that phrase, leave things better than you found them. That is a deep purpose that some people are uniquely qualified to do and that everybody could make that a purpose. And so this brings a whole other thing about purpose. Purpose is not just one thing. It could be a number of things, but it's the way we show up in the way we do everything. So you've heard that phrasing, you know, the way you do one thing is how you do everything. I don't mm-hmm. love that phrase necessarily, but I do love that the way you have the deep uh, sort of connection you have to purpose, you will bring to everything you do. And those kind of people are loved, they are respected and admired. Now, I know we want popularity, so yes, okay, you'll be loved, expect, you know, sort of uh, respected and admired. But more importantly, when you show up that way, you will love, respect, and admire yourself. And that is a very rare trait in a human being. Is that something that you found in your own kind of uh, journey as well? Because obviously you've been through, um, you know, years and years of development in, in your own right, in your own journey, both with fitness, business, in your own personal life and so on and so forth. Have you has has this philosophy been born out in your own experiences in the in the sense that as you have connected more with what you feel the way you want to show up actually is, the more people have been gravitated towards you, and the more your kind of um, your success in a more obvious way has grown in terms of you know your business success in terms of your influence in terms of um, your opportunities that that that's actually improved as a result of being less focused on it and more focused on who you are and and, and the kind of um, impact you want to have? Oh, Jay, to me, this is probably maybe the best question that I've ever gotten in any interview ever. And it speaks to uh, something so deeply important, I think, for all of us. As I was going along in business, in fitness and everything else, I was operating from the mindset of let me be I want to be the biggest, strongest person in the gym. Right. Power. Right. Then I want to be the most attractive guy. Pleasure, power, popularity. Then I want to be known in my field. And this is how I was approaching my life. Then I had something like all of us do. I ended up and I had an affair um, while I was, you know, fell in love with another woman while I was with my wife. And this, and by the way, we all have our things. Some people lose a loved one. I ended up, you know, um, having difficulty in my marriage. Some people lose a job. But I had this lightning strike moment that basically allowed me to see myself very clearly for perhaps the first time. And once I turned around and said, what is it that I, who is it that I want to be? Because I was incredibly disappointed. This is one of these failure moments, right? I was disappointed, embarrassed. Um, and not because of, of the fallout, simply because I looked in the mirror and I did not like the guy that I was. Now, here's the, your question goes, as you turned around, what happened and did you see a difference? By the way, through all of that, there were times where I was fit. There were times where I was fat. There were times where I struggled with money. There were times, right? There were times where my relationships were good. There were times where my relationships were bad. Once I went through this sort of thing and I saw myself sort of hit rock bottom, I decided very clearly, and this is again created, I said, who do I want to create? I wanna be the most generous person that people know. I wanna be the kindest person that people know. I want to be the most honest person that people know. As a matter of fact, I don't care about people. I wanna be the most generous person I know, the most kindest person I know, the most honest person I know. What that meant is all of a sudden I started to give all my material for free. Yes, I had paid programs, but if you go out and look at all my fitness material, you can find it all over the place for free. I'm going to teach. 
If you want extra help, of course, you know, I have paid programs too, but I just started giving everything for free. I started to be very generous with money. I started to have very deep and honest conversations. I started to show up as a different experience in the world. And yes, ironically, you know what has happened? Fitness and fat loss has gotten easier for me personally. Money has gotten much easier for me personally, right? Relationships. I have the best, most honest humans in my life now. And I am convinced it comes from this turnaround to say, I'm no longer going to chase things just for me. It's, you know, it's that old saying, it's like, ask not, I mean, I'm an American. So, you know, there's this famous quote, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. I look at it like, stop asking what the world can do for you. Start giving to the world. And when I made that realization, all of a sudden, it just seemed easy. So yes, things just turned around for me. And even if they weren't, I just started to look in the mirror and and I really like the human who I am. On my deathbed, I feel like I can be proud of myself. And that matters to me. And I think it matters to all of you as well who are listening. Perhaps it's the the only thing that matters to us. It's... um is that what you would call a next level human or are you work, work is that what you're working towards that's a term that obviously um i've picked up on through viewing your uh, your stuff online and, and reading your book and everything next level human and and mm-hmm. is that how you see that it's absolutely how i see it what a next level human is in my mind is just the humble recognition that you are a unique experience in the world and you can make the world a better positive place just by being your best self. So really a next level human is growing yourself so you can grow others, right? Growing yourself so you can evolve the world. One of the things that I think that we humans are, like, you know, if you read a lot of philosophy, you always hear philosophers will, will debate, what makes humans humans? Is it our reason? Is, our, is it our creativity? What is it that makes a human human? I think it's our integrated imagination. We are the only animals that can look out into the world, see something missing, and then uniquely fill the gap. And this is what a next level human does. They essentially say, I look out in the world and I see a problem that I am uniquely suited to solve. Perhaps I'm the only one on the planet suited to solve. And I will go out there and make that better. Not just for myself, that's, that's, a, that's a base level human. And not just to be popular, that's a culture level human, but to better you. We can do it so much that we can actually do it for other animals and even the planet, right? There's people right now out there who are like, I am uniquely suited to come up with a solution for trash in the ocean, which makes the world better for all of us and the planet itself healthier. And we're the only animals who can do that. We're godlike in that way, in a sense. You won't see a dolphin going, you know what? I want to make my life better and I want to make Jay and Jade's life better too. You know, they're incredibly creative. They play, they can reason, they can do all kinds of things. They won't do that. That's what we do, right? We are able to change the world for ourselves and make the world better for others. And the integration part is that a next level human realizes that they need to do both. It's not one or the other. It's not me against the world. It's me and the world. It's not me and my needs. It's me and the needs of the world getting my needs and the needs of the world getting met together. This is what we are capable of as humans and all our heroes throughout the ages are people who have been able to integrate, grow themselves while growing the world. And I think that's what each of us crave. 
I realise as I kind of as as we develop this conversation and as we go through some you know looking at the time and I know that you've got you know you're a busy guy and all the rest of it so I'm keeping an eye on the time and I've realised you know we this is this is the meathead philosopher thing again because <laughs> we we started off talking about fitness and we we obviously were talking about how it crosses over into everyday life and we we talk about how it how it's a, a great analogy and a great illustration of other areas that we can use and we've covered so much ground in terms of other bits and pieces and I kind of wanted to bring it back around slightly and 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 share a kind of a viewpoint I have around fitness uh, which ties in with some stuff that you said earlier on and also what you're kind of sharing now as well and that's the concept of fitness as a as a currency if you like you talked earlier on about kind of things being whether they're a means to an end or the end themselves and, and this kind of muddling that we have in terms of being able to distinguish these different um, these different things and have a clear definition of these different things. And for a lot of people, and for myself included, for a long time, fitness was was a goal rather than uh, it was the end. It wasn't the means to an end. You know, fitness was was the end and my behaviours and my habits and going to the gym and eating a certain way were the, were the means. And the way I see it now, and this was uh, as a result of, you know, we're talking about rock bottom and bits and pieces like that and, and those kind of lightning strike moments. But mine was about three years ago. My most recent one was three years ago when I hit, when I burned out quite spectacularly for the second time. And in the, in the ashes of that, uh, one of my realisations was that actually fitness is the means to an end. It's a currency that we can spend on certain things. Fitness is a currency that we can spend on the way we show up in the world and we can spend it on our purpose and at the start of this conversation you were talking about um using our our fitness in a in a way which benefits our business our relationships our um and all, all of these other things and that's kind of that that's kind of how i how i approach it now and it's completely turned it on its head and my yes i still have the kind of the power pleasure and popularity things like you said we're all human but it's helped me reconcile those things with a deeper purpose than perhaps they were in in prior years to me fitness is very much like you know and every human requires it's one of the jobs we have to do in the same way we're kind of in a sense fighting a battle right we're fighting a battle of creating our purpose and in order to fight that battle we need the energy we need the physical strength we need the things that can carry us through right we need to eat well we need to train we need to do these things so to me i look at it as like the proving ground as a, of a warrior basically you're not going to be able to do the things and sustain the things that you want to do or even be even will people take you seriously in a sense if you're not showing up as a fit vibrant individual and there's only one way i know to do that and that is put the right fuel in your body and train your physical body in the way that you need to train your mental body as well and so once you begin to own that movement becomes everything you cannot uh, live this life without uh movement in a sense and so for me, for those of you who are sort of like, all right, well, Jade, where do I start then in fitness, you know, from the perspective of, you know, making it serve my purpose rather than just doing it for, you know, uh, fleeting times in my life. First, pick the thing that you will do. We, first of all, all of us humans, we have to move. We have to walk. Become a mover, not a sitter. This is not about 
exercise necessarily, right? But I want to try to make this super simple for all, for all of you because I know not everyone loves any kind of exercise. So let's talk about that. But becoming a mover, not a sitter. That means, you know, getting up, pacing when you're on the phone, going for walks, getting, you know, not sitting down. Then in terms of fitness, there are so many ways to do this. Choose something you love, but also take what Jay and I were talking about with these PRs and begin to like, I love the idea. And I do this a lot from when I'm working of choosing certain things, like let's say push-ups or air squats or sit-ups or things like that and putting these throughout my day. So right before I get on a call, let's say with Jay, I knock out, you know, 20, 40, 50 push-ups. It activates my brain. It makes me feel strong. It makes me stay present for all of you. This is these. This is what's called exercise snacking. So this is one way to do this. So you start moving. You start incorporating sort of these PRs into your day. You you begin to do something you love. And you also, if you're just getting started, you just decide I'm going to take that Orange Theory class, or I'm going to do a yoga class, or I'm going to hire a trainer to teach me a little bit about weight training. And you expose yourself to the same thing. So you're no longer playing scales and chopsticks, but you're moving to Mary Had a Little Lamb and to Beethoven and to Mozart. So you begin to expose yourself to these things. But you start now with just saying, how does movement serve my meaning and my purpose? You cannot be an effective human unless you are fueling your body appropriately and getting it fit and functional in my mind. And, you, and once you tie those two together, hopefully you say, yeah, I can't actually be the human that I'm meant to be without some level of fitness. And it's got nothing to do with how fit and strong you are. It's got to do with everything with how it helps you show up in the world. You'll be more attractive to people. This isn't a romantic thing. This is just that thing where you see someone passionate. If you're in a room and you walk in and you are fit, people automatically pay more attention to your purpose, right? It's kind of like if you've got a deep purpose and you have more money, you'll be able to further your purpose better. Same thing. If you have a deep purpose and you're fit and functional, you will be able to do that purpose better, if that makes sense. Absolutely does, mate. And I think that's an absolutely fantastic place to kind of wrap up because you've given people something. People who are listening to this, often it's, they're busy, they're, they're stressed out, they're feeling overwhelmed. I mean, especially after the, the hell of a ride we've had throughout 2020 uh, in various ways, you know, people are feeling stressed out, anxious, worried and all the rest of it. And and putting something else on their plate in terms of here's, a, here's a, something that you're going to have to do um, can just add to the overwhelm. Whereas what you've done there is I think very clearly shown people that rather than being another thing to do this is actually something which is going to claw back that energy and that passion and that fire that they perhaps have have lost at some point over the last 12 months yep and they and you do it in a very simple way I, I'll, I'll say it one last time so everyone's sort of clear to me here here's what I would do if you if for those of you who like a script 10 to 20,000 steps per day get a tracker track it. You don't need to do it all at once. Walk around. You can, you can pace around your home. You can take steps, do all that. Try to get 10 to 20,000 steps. Each week, choose something, a target. Like this week, I got push-ups on my list. I'm going to try to get in, let's say, 400 push-ups over seven days. I could do them in any bouts I can. Next week, maybe it's air squats. The following week, maybe it's sit-ups. Do that at a minimum. And then choose something to get better at, to expose yourself to. Change and challenge. Learn yoga. Take up Tai Chi, learn weight training, 
Maybe do kettlebells, you know. Um, you got me and Jay, you got other people you can learn from this stuff from, but you do the basics, right? And then you start to teach yourself the new stuff and make it enjoyable and always tie it into your purpose because that's what drives everything. It's the whole reason you're doing it in the first place. Awesome stuff. And, you know, if people wanted to see more of your philosophy and more about what you, what you put out into the world, uh, where are the best places online for people to find you? I spend a lot of my time on Instagram at Jade Tita on Instagram. And then my website is jadetita.com. And I have a ton of free courses there on that website for you. And I have my own podcast called The Next Level Human Podcast, if you're interested. So those three places at Jade Tita, Next Level Human Podcast and uh, jadetita.com. Awesome stuff. What I'll do as well is I will put those, uh, I'll put those links in the description of this episode as well so if people are listening to this if you're listening to this on anchor or you're listening to this on spotify then you'll be able to click those links and go and check out jade's bits and pieces uh, on those different platforms if you're listening to this on apple for some reason those links won't work so you'll have to go and um and find him although what i do want to just f- finish with because now you've pronounced your name that other way now i'm if people remember how i said it at the beginning when i said jade tedder <laughs> everyone's going to think that like i've messed it up because i told you before we started mate yeah. i am i'm dire with names please can yeah. you for, for the record you can say either way right it's, either way i actually the, the correct pronunciation is teta because right. it's italian right so that's how you would pronounce it but i think uh, my family pronounces it tita because i think teta means tit in spanish <laughs> so i think yeah so basically i'm dr tit for those of you that know right. but i dr. think they must have changed yeah they must have changed the pronunciation so teta tita Either one. My family says Tito, but the correct pronunciation is Teta. So you actually said it right. Man. Right, good, good. Because this is, the th- mate, a, 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 a little while back. It's always Italian names, mate. It's always Italian names. This is the third the third time that I've come a cropper with this. Um, yeah. But yeah, mate, Jade, honestly, thank you so much for sharing your time um, with us today. It's been some amazing takeaways uh, for people. And uh, hopefully chat to you again soon, buddy. Jay, really appreciate your work, my friend. Thanks for what you do. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Fit Body, Fit Mind with me, Jay Unwin. If you aren't already connected with me on LinkedIn, Instagram or Facebook, then you can find all the links in the podcast description or on my website at fitbodyfitmind.online. Until next time, stay fit, stay well and have fun.